Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to The Shit Show. Oh, hi. I'm sorry. I didn't see you there. That's totally awkward random. Kia ora, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Shit Show. As usual, I am joined by Brother Nick, or Squish, as you guys like to refer to him in the emails to me. Squish, how are you today, my darling? I'm good. It's so hot here. It's the hottest day of the year probably so far, and you've got me cooped up in the studio, but I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do it for you and for all the listeners. Willing to do it for the people. The thing is, like me and Nick, unfortunately, have separated again. I am no longer back home. I'm back up in Tamaki Makoto, and I think Nick's like shoved in his little studio. We call it a studio. It's not really, and it's 33 degrees in Blenheim right now. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It feels like such a long time since we've done a podcast from so far away. I know. Well, um, look, we must get back together at some point and actually do some more in, in real life ones. IRL. IRL. Now, Nick, before we really get into it, because I know we've got a really jam-packed episode this week, and to be honest, I'm really excited for this week's episode. I feel like it's got the most meat in an episode that we've had in a while, but we should just give the people a bit of an update on... Novak Djokovic, who we spoke about last week. Now, since we recorded that episode, he has been allowed to play in the Australian Open and then not allowed to play again and actually completely deported from Australia, hasn't he? Yeah, man's got the boot from Australia. Man's to get the boot from Australia. Have you, look, have you got any other details for me? Anything else to add or is that all the people need to know? Um, well, more bad news for old Novaks. He is no longer allowed to play in the French Open either as France has just announced that uh, no sporting events are allowed to go ahead with unvaccinated participants. Oh, shit. Okay. Another grand slam that he won't be um, grand slamming later no. this year. Another court battle that he will never quite make it to he's he's actually occupied with a few different types of court battles at the moment isn't he lucy i'm sure you're not the first person to make that joke well no why do you insist on telling me that my brilliant ideas and puns weren't mine first in my head bestie they were because you look so confident need to bring you down a notch i know i know as with any good white man (laughs) oh come on now Oh, sorry. Sorry, it was just there and I had to do As it. with any good big brother. True. As with any good squish. Now, Nick, what was the weirdest thing you saw on the internet this week? Well, I'm not sure if it's weird or it's just wholesome, but I don't know. We kind of allow that in this segment these days, don't we? Of course. So our favourite train spotter surprised us today with his latest sort of achievement, I guess. He's being the face of a fashion campaign. Oh, he's so cute. So yeah, and a clip shared this morning for the North Face Gucci collab. You can see our fave train spotter, Francis Bourgeois, basically running the show for a bunch of snazzy dressed travellers wearing the new Gucci and North Face collab kit. 
Um, I think the old train service needs to increase their budget a little bit because Francis was doing everything. He was <laughs> the ticket office, he was serving food on the trains, he was being the announcer. I think he even got to do a few tones, which he loves. Um, but yeah, he did kill it though. What do you mean tones? Tones, you know, like choo-choo off the train. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the technical term. Did you see, Nick, the video of him with Joe Jonas? I did see the video with him with Joe Jonas. Oh, so cute. I'm just so happy for him. I'm over the moon for our resident train spotter. I'm so proud. I feel proud. I don't even know him, but I'm proud. What about you, Luce? What was the weirdest thing you saw? So, the weirdest thing that I saw on the internet this week was Andrew... Former Prince Andrew, now known as Andrew, for the second time he's had his royal title stripped from him. Um, Before we get into this, I don't want to take away from the fact that, like, this man is literally involved in a civil lawsuit in the US right now um, for alleged sexual assault. I don't want to take away from that, but there was some really weird coverage of this dude today. Um, Weirder than the usual. So a former royal employee, Paul Page, says that Andrew had very specific instructions when it came to his collection of teddy bears and other stuffed toys. So Andrew, uh, it's so funny, I just want to say Prince Andrew, but I'm like, no, you don't even deserve that, mate. Did he deserve it to begin with? All he did was get born. Yeah, well, true. <laughs> he could have chosen to leave, like um, Harry and Meghan. Anyway... Paul Page, who worked for the royal family from 1998 to 2004, says that Andrew kept laminated instructions in a bedside drawer that included a diagram on how to arrange his dozens of teddy bears. When the Duke of York is staying overnight, place one small teddy and cushion in the turn down. When making the bed, place the teddy and cushion next to the teddy on the left-hand side with the necklaces on. And some of the stuffed animals were apparently, um, they had embroidered on them words like daddy, ducks, and prince. So apparently there was about 50 or 60 stuffed toys positioned on the bed. And there was a card that like obviously showed all the bears in like their ideal situation. And the reason that there was the laminated picture that showed all the bears was because if they weren't put back in the right order by the maids, apparently Andrew would shout and scream. Now, if that's not the most like entitled prince shit you could ever imagine, then... I don't know what is. Like, you'd expect it from a baby. Yeah, like a little cartoon prince. <laughs> yes. Like, no, my titties didn't go there. But, like, I'm sorry. It's a little Prince Cartman. Oh, <laughs> no, you're begging my bass. <laughs> <laughs> Why was that so good? Or was that not good? I don't know. It didn't sound that good to me. But. Oh, in my head, that sounded really good. That was perfect. So, yes, that was my weirdest story of the week. Now, Nick, we're into the big news stories this week, and I'm really glad that you're covering this. I've been covering this next story that you're about to talk about in the newsletter for the past few days. Can you talk to me a little bit about what's going on in Tonga right now? Yeah, so you probably would have seen the images floating around the internet of the massive volcanic explosion in um, subsequent tsunami from the Hangatonga Hangahape volcano in Tonga on January the 15th. But if you haven't, I'll give you a quick wee rundown. So the Hangatonga Hangahape is a submerged volcano that has been pretty active over the past couple of years. But over the last few weeks, the activity has really cranked up with a series of pretty big eruptions, which 
were then followed by a massive eruption a few days later, which is believed to have been the biggest eruption in the last three decades. And I've seen some people saying it's the biggest eruption since Krakatoa, which that was in the 1800s in Indonesia, and that was heard around the world. So on the scale of things, this was pretty huge. So this eruption caused a tsunami to hit the island kingdom of Tonga, Mm. causing damage that we, at the moment, don't really know much about. Due to the massive explosion, tsunamis, and, and all that sort of carry on, the undersea cable that goes between Tonga and Fiji was damaged. Um, and all the ash in the atmosphere has caused satellite communications to be affected also. Yeah, I saw that um, New Zealand and Australia, the last that I had read about this, we'd sent a plane over to sort of assess the damage because communication was that hard, you know, via the usual ways. I saw people on Twitter talking about how they heard this from New Zealand, like heard the shockwaves. Did you hear this? No, I I was at a um, bike racing event, so I... It was pretty loud there, so I never heard it or felt it, but I've heard reports that people had their doors slamming and their windows shaking from this, and we are 3,000 kilometres away from from Tonga. Yeah, it's quite phenomenal, and I know that we're still sort of finding out information and communication's quite poor at the moment, but um, I know that there has been one person who's died. Has there been any, like, confirmation or any confirmed deaths? Yeah, so at the time of recording, it's confirmed that two bodies have been recovered. Um, but since there is so little communication with Tonga at the moment and the remote nature of all of these little Tongan islands, it will be hard to get a full picture for a while yet. Um, and as you said, New Zealand and Australia have both sent ships to the islands, um, but ash on the runway of Tonga's main airport in Nukualofa is preventing Air Force planes from landing there. True. I didn't actually even think about that with the ash. The one woman that I heard about that had passed away, she was a um, British citizen and she was saving her dogs from the tsunami, which is just heartbreaking. But I really, really am hoping, one, that we can get some communication, like, secured between us and them, and two, that there's hopefully not not many more people have been hurt. Um, I know a lot of people will be displaced by it. Do you know what caused the initial eruption, like, under the water? Yeah, so basically the Ring of Fire. So Tonga sits on the Pacific Ring of Fire, as do we, in California and most of the west coast of South America. And this eruption was caused by the Pacific Plate subducting underneath the Australian Plate. The Pacific Plate melting and causing pressure and the gases and lava escaping from a weak point in the Earth's, in the Earth's surface. So it's, it's quite similar to like a pimp, popping a pimple, more similar than you might think. So what's the Ring of Fire? If we just take it back there for me, who knows nothing? The Ring of Fire, I'm pretty sure I learned about this in like year four science and in um, <laughs> at primary school at Springlands. Um, so it's basically a ring around the Pacific Ocean of like active volcanoes and like very active tectonic zones. So it's where the Pacific Plate like interacts with the rest of the plates around the um, yeah just around the ocean, I suppose. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, I did not know that it's quite literally a ring of fire because it's volcanoes. Very aptly named. Yeah. Mm, have you seen like photos of like what it looked like? Because it was quite amazing, eh? Yeah, so um, satellite images have shown this island being built up over the years from underwater eruptions, and um, it's actually been studied by scientists. It's a prime example of island building, where underwater eruptions cause islands to come out of the ocean basically out of nowhere. So when you're talking about islands and island building, is that the top of the volcano that we can see? Yeah, it's kind of like like an iceberg, you know, okay. like how there's yes. the yep. top of the iceberg and then there's a massive volcano beneath it. And as yeah. the volcano erupts and it spews material out the top, it gradually 
it goes above the surface of the ocean and builds islands. And and is there a chance that it's going to happen again, like to this scale? Like, does it just keep erupting? Or hopefully, uh, most of the pressure has been relieved out of the um, the active zone belief beneath the volcano. So hopefully, we get another couple thousand years of relative calm from the volcano. God, well, that's yeah, that is the least we can hope for. That was a really good explanation of all of that, Nick. Like, you looked way more into the actual volcano, why it erupted, etc., than I, you know, than I had, which is the beauty of having people with different interests on the podcast. Hmm. Yeah, no, I find it really interesting. And hopefully, we can regain contact with. Tonga soon and and give you guys an update saying that hopefully things are on the up. Absolutely. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Now, Lucy, you have something spicy for us here, I can see. (laughs) I do have something actually really spicy. So I feel like where you are the resident scientist slash like space slash sports, you know, you fill a lot of interests. Mine is like weird technology or internet stuff. So you will all remember when I talked about the DAO, the DAO, the Decentralized Autonomous Organization that tried to buy the US Constitution. And if you don't remember me talking about that, you can go back and listen to that episode of The Shit Show to get a bit of an understanding of what a DAO is, basically a group of crypto bros. Anyway, essentially, we've just um, seen a new DAO called Spice DAO who paid 2.6 million euros for a copy of June. Nick, you know, the really famous sci-fi book, June. That's yeah. everywhere at the and moment. And the, the movie. Yep, the movie as well. It's had a few adaptations. So the version that this DAO bought, it wasn't a copy of the original book, June, by Frank Herbert, but it was a storyboard and like a production Bible for an adaptation of the book that actually never got to see the light of day. So this um, DAO or group of people paid like 2.6 million euros for this book that was actually originally only on sale for like... 30,000 euros or something. They paid an like extortionate amount for it. And their mission was to get this storyboard Bible book thing and one, make it public, two, produce an original animated limited series inspired by the book and then sell it to a streaming service and three, support other sort of projects from the community. Now, Nick, this is where the DAO ran into a bit of an issue because they don't understand basic copyright. So, Nick, first of all, first of all, real basic, the first thing they wanted to do was make it public. Now, there's actually a version of this storyboard Bible, you know, that they just bought online on Google Images and, like, just online for everyone to see already if they want it. So, already quite public. The second, the second thing they wanted to do was turn it into a animated sort of thing that they could sell to street a streaming service. Um, but Nick, I just have a quick question for you: 
if you were to buy a Simpsons comic or a Spider-Man comic, do you think you would then have the rights to, to go and make an animated series about the Simpsons comic and sell it to a streaming service as if it was your own? Yes. Oh, so you'd be great for Spice Dow. You'd be great. Oh, no. Um, is it not that? Oh, my God, no. Oh. Do you think if you, you just because you bought a Spider-Man comic, comic, you could go take the idea and make an animated series called Spider-Man? Buy a moon and then sell it to a streaming service. Yeah, I got it from the Muller Road Dairy. Oh, that's so funny. So what Nick was meant to say there was, no, obviously millions of people own the same copies of June, the same copies of the Spider-Man comic, and they don't think that they own the rights to it. They don't think that they can take the idea as their own. Oh, whoopsies. <laughs> that's okay, Nick, because, you know, we're not experts. You've got to put this stuff in the script. Oh, well, no, I want it to be authentic. Like, I'm really good at telling you that I don't know shit about space. You don't know shit about the right of um, when you buy shit through a DAO, which is really fair. So anyway, these people do not, even though they own this book, this wonderful book, this wonderful, like, Bible, they do not have the rights. They didn't think of this. They don't own the intellectual property to go and recreate their own version of June and then sell it. That would be like if I bought the screenplay or, or if I bought the, like, storyboards to Shrek and then went and made, like, a bootleg version of Shrek and tried to sell it to Disney+. Plus. Shrunk. <laughs> Shrunk, yeah. It just wouldn't happen. So I thought it might be a good time really quickly to talk about NFTs, even though we're not specifically talking about NFTs, but NFTs are, like, the digital version of, like, June, this hardcover book that they bought. So if NFTs, we've sort of talked about a little bit, they're, like, digital art um, and you can buy them. You can buy, like, I spoke about Bored Apes. So let's use Bored Ape as the example. And and if you, again, if you want to know more, please just go and listen to last week's episode because I did a very good job explaining it. So if you bought a Bored Ape for $10 million, that doesn't actually mean that you own the copyright. Like, you're not the artist of it. You don't own the copyright or the intellectual property there. Anyway, when you buy an NFT, you own the digital address that represents the piece of media and that address is saved on the blockchain. You don't own the actual, like, copyright of that media. Very confusing. Basically, at this point when you're buying NFTs, it's hard to know what you actually own except for that, like, token. You own the token. Nick, that probably didn't make much sense to you, but I'm just telling you that when you buy an NFT, you don't own the copyright, which is hilarious because um, I know quite a few people that don't really believe in NFTs right now, and maybe this is adding fuel to their fire. I will say that I'm indifferent, and I'm happy just to watch what happens in this space. So anyway, back to Spice Dow, who bought June. <laughs> They obviously did not get legal advice before spending a shit ton of money on the storyboard Bible thing. And now the idea is to scan every single page of the book, mint it as an NFT, and then burn the book. Burn the actual book. So then, like, they're saying that they own the NFTs and, like, apparently that's worth more to them than this fucking gorgeous book. They shouldn't burn the book. I was going to say, why do they have to burn the book? Just keep the book. Well, copyright reasons. I think they're just trying to find ways around it. I don't really get how that Put works. Put the book on the shelf. So dumb. Leave the book alone. Honestly, they should buy the rights to make the movie about the saga of them fucking up with their purchase of June. That would be much more interesting than 
Probably me talking about it on this podcast. And now, Nick, to shut me up, <laughs> can you talk to me about Ukraine? Because I've got no idea about what's happening here. Yeah, so um, shit's heating up in Ukraine. Um, this has been bubbling away for a wee while. It's like since basically the end of the Cold War. Um, but I'm not going to go into the I'm not going to go into the full geopolitical history of instability in the region. I'm just going to focus on what's been happening over the past few weeks and days. So to cut a long story short, there are 100,000 Russian troops on three sides of Ukraine, and what's been quoted as a diplomatic marathon last week hasn't gotten us any closer to a resolution. It's thought that Vladimir wants to expand Russia's sphere of influence into Eastern Europe. Um, Part of these negotiations were that Russia didn't want NATO to get any larger, a condition that the United States and the rest of Europe has rejected. Okay, okay. Pause here really quick so I can, like, for the people that are like me and potentially need um, it to be made even easier than that, not saying that wasn't great, basically... Vladimir Putin wants Ukraine because he doesn't want them to be part of... He doesn't want Ukraine to be part of NATO and NATO to get stronger. Yeah, that's kind of part of it. I'm not sure if the Ukraine are part of NATO or not or... No, they're not. Ukraine Ukraine aren't part of NATO, but they want to be, but um, they haven't been allowed to Obviously, be. there's there's so much that goes into the, the history between the, the Ukraine and, and Russia, and there's so many different layers to this, but that's... Pretty, pretty surface level, what's going on. Is Russia trying to take over Ukraine right now? Well, that's what is suggested by the rest of the world, but Russia obviously are pretty keeping pretty quiet on it. Well, Nick, you are allowed on this podcast, if you want, to just speculate with the rest of the world and say that potentially... I mean, I'm not afraid of Russia from my little bedroom in New Zealand. Good of you to be sort of hedging our, hedging our bets and keeping us safe, but um, it feels to me like... a t- they might be wanting to take over, but again, allegedly. 100,000 troops, Luce. That's a lot of people. Ainer. In addition to the troops, though, <laughs> Russia has suggested that they would put missiles closer to the US border, um, which obviously isn't cool, like the Bay of Pigs back from the Cold War, back Ooh. in Cuba, if you want to hear a little bit more about that. Google it or something. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we do not have a podcast on that. It's the closest we've got into nuclear war, and it's a pretty big deal. But that was a long, long time ago. Anyway, the Secretary of State for the United States, Anthony Blinkley, will be meeting with the Russian foreign minister on Friday to try and avoid this sort of conflict in Eastern Europe. Um, In addition to this, the UK, in their first big post-Brexit military aid move, have been supplying the Ukraine with weapons in the form of short-range missiles and launches to be used for defence. And Canada has sent in special operation units to assist, this is what they say, to assist in the evacuation of Canadian citizens in the event of a conflict. Um... Okay. Obviously, that's very diplomat speak. Yeah. Who knows what they're actually there for? So, sort of still small moves in the grand military scheme of things on the Ukrainian side. Um, they have been responding with memes on their Twitter page, which is pretty funny. Oh, so funny. Very much more more Cisco appropriate memes on Twitter pages than geopolitical conflicts. They're speaking to Gen Z. They're speaking to their Gen Z citizens. Yeah, yeah. It's a Gen Z cry for help. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously the situation is evolving and far from over, so we'll have to wait and see what old Vladdy Poot decides to do, and hopefully those troops can go back home and we don't have sort of World War Three. And everyone's happy families. Yeah, yeah. All happy. <laughs> oh, God. Geopolitical crises after geopolitical crises. I know. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it, though? Thank God you're here to sort of fill us in on it. Ukraine's also making a Russia NFT, and there's actually Ukraine Dow who are going to try and buy the NFT of Russia. 
And then burn Russia. Maybe that's a little bit more um, up your alley at the moment. <laughs> yeah, that actually, that you know, that made it make, make that that made it make sense. Nick, I'm going to stop you from talking about Ukraine to talk about another geopolitical crisis. Hong Kong has ordered thousands of hamsters to be surrendered for disposal after they tested positive for COVID-19. Hamsters. Yeah. First of all, every time I want to say or spell ham, hams, hamsters, I want to put a P in there, hamsters. And But it's not spelt with a P. And every time I go to spell it, which has been a lot today because I wrote about it in the newsletter, I always put a P in there. Anyway, so after finding traces of COVID-19 on only 11 hamsters in a pet store, Hong Kong has ordered thousands of them to be surrendered for disposal. So it's about 2,000 hamsters that are going to be killed, which includes any that were bought from this pet store after December 22nd. So like if you got one for Christmas, then you've been ordered to take it back, hand it over with a warning not to kiss it, not to abandon it on the street. Um, because Hong Kong and China are still trying to like sustain or attempt to sustain a zero COVID strategy. So are all these hamsters from one pet shop? Yeah, a pet shop called Little Boss Pet Shop and its associated warehouse. So maybe not just the pet shop. 2,000 yeah. hamsters from one pet shop. Well, and its associated warehouse. They were probably breeding them. Holy shit. <laughs> I know. The The sad thing is, like, so... so this was this all came about because there was an investigation into two employees who contracted COVID. But the sad thing is that there's actually no evidence that domestic animals can pass COVID nineteen on to humans. But authorities were just acting out of like an abundance of caution. So even though these hamsters probably can't even spread it, um, they're just all being disposed of. I reckon the person in charge of the um execution order for these hamsters had a bad experience with hamsters one day and this was just a way to get back at them i don't reckon there's i reckon this is a conspiracy loose well it feels like maybe not a conspiracy maybe just a personal vendetta against hamsters Mm, unacceptable so that was really sad can you give us something good about animals yeah this week of all weeks if you listen to culture vulture or read um any of the newsletters this week you know that we need some some good cat content some cute cat content this week so I'm going to give it to you Barnaby the cat had been missing for eight months when his mum Rachel Lawrence rung the vet to talk about her other cat and while she was on the phone she heard a meow that sounded very familiar and and this meow it started bugging her so she rung the vet back to ask whose cat that was in the background Um, The vet said that the cat was a stray, but when Rachel asked for more details, like whether the stray she'd heard over the phone was black with a little white patch on one of its its back feet, they realised that it was Barnaby. Now, her three children had nicknamed Barnaby Fat Man, like Stewie off of fucking Family Guy. But when, when Barnaby was brought into the vet, he had loads of scabs and he was really skinny and missing fur, so he wasn't easily identified as Fat Man or Barnaby. Um, Rachel, the cat mum, said, we need to fatten him up and get him back to Fat Man, but he is now back with his family, and that is a very cute and wholesome story that I just love and sort of cheered me up a little bit, but also kind of depressed me because I miss Enzo. Barnaby, Barnaby, Barnaby. Barnaby can live his best life eating all the kitty food he wants now. Getting back. Yeah, to he can there. get back. He can get back to being fat man. Nick, do you have a comment of the week for me? 
I do. I do indeed. Um, but it's actually on my phone, so just need to bear with me for a second while I find it. Um, yes, Lewis, I do have a comment of the week. Of course I do. I always have a comment of the week. Don't be silly. It is on your post about uh, about the toothpaste, about the do you squeeze your toothpaste from the middle or at the bottom? And the comment is, IDK man, but anything works as long as the paste comes out. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Like, bro, that's not the point of my poll. Also, Nick... Um, BuzzFeed Tasty, I got an email from someone who's a like avid Cisco follower saying, hey, you posted your um, poll about whether you put sauce on top of or beside fries and BuzzFeed Tasty, one hour after you posted that, posted the exact same poll and they have 41 million followers. So like credit us or something. What was the result of that? Was it the same as yours? Um, they only did it on the feed, so I couldn't see the percentage. Oh, that's some bullshit. That is some bullshit. Anyway, my comment of the week is on our Joe Rogan post. There were actually, oh, yeah. I should have looked at that one. There were actually a lot of good comments on this. There were also a lot of bros in the comments sort of standing up for Joe Rogan. Anyway, the one that I saw and liked was, if Joe Rogan continues to minimise the risk of COVID, then the CDC will have to give him a job. (laughs) I liked that. Also, someone said, if a guy tells me he listens to Joe Rogan, red flag, red flag, red flag. And just like, just, just some good shit on there. Also, like, it's funny because I don't... Often I won't put opinion at all into, like, the captions of Instagram posts. I'll just be like, you know, Joe Rogan follows us, reckon he'll come on the shit show or something. And people will just come for me so hard thinking I'm wanting everything to be censored, everyone to be cancelled. Like, no, I hate cancel culture. I'm just saying misinformation about COVID-19 is dangerous enough without Spotify paying Joe Rogan $100 million to do that. They shouldn't take him off the year. Whatever, they should not. But they should just have a bit of a policy about misinformation when it comes to dangerous things. You're allowed to call him an idiot and not want him cancelled. Yeah, and also we have an episode of Culture Vulture on cancel culture and you can hear all of our thoughts there because something we've thought long and hard about and I personally hate cancel culture for... Many reasons. I mean, sometimes, like, people are actually criminals or there are, you know, that's not even cancellation. That's just, like, uh, go to the, through the justice system, which also sometimes doesn't work and now I'm rambling. But, Nick. Mm, you are. Where can the people find you? Uh, they can find me making snide comments on your posts at the Shit Show account. Um, <laughs> just whack Shit Show into your, uh, into your search bar. But if you're not following us by now and you're listening to this, then I don't know. Nothing can really help you. Yeah, true. You can also um, find me, if you want, if I haven't, like, seriously given you the ick by these podcasts, on the other end of the morning newsletter, uh, my favourite place to be. I love it. Or you can listen to our other podcast about pop culture called Culture Vulture. That one's great. We did a big episode this week on um, the PR strategy and mastermindness of the Kardashians and how fucking bad it is. That was a really interesting episode, so I'd highly recommend. And Nick, I think I might see you next week. Same place, same time. Same place, same time. Offa atu, and we'll see you later. Kakite, everyone. 
and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.